My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Hey, Milani. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I am so excited because we have history and I love talking to you. Every time I talk to you, it's just, it gives me life. And so I want my audience to to learn and hear from you. So we're going to jump right in. Okay. Do you want to just talk a little bit about who you are, your creative practice? Sure. Okay. So my name is Milani Douglas and I have several hats right now and one of the hats is that of course starting as an artist writing theater and photography are my first loves these are some portraits of my trees that are behind me and i I have this uh, meditative practice of going into the woods or into some sort of wilderness space and taking pictures of trees i'm really deeply tied to the kind of liberation that was found in those communities and also looking at the outside beyond the outside. Now that we're in this middle of a pandemic and the outside is closed, but there's a beyond the outside, the, the OG outside, I call it, getting back to nature. <laughs> uh, it's like OG out, right? So I like about, that, the OG. <laughs> OG out, yeah. So I'm all about that. I, you know, am a herbalist as far as like training and from my mom and my grandma and I'm a mom and I have a beautiful little girl and all of her girlfriends and her uh, male, her little boyfriends are my, my babies too. I also am director of public programs at the National Museum of Women in the Arts and I founded the Family Arts Museum, so, which is a museum focused on family, it's fine art, homeless curated space community as galleries so my time stays full i mean i still get some sleep though i give my rest (laughs) to say the least yeah you are doing amazing work and i just wanted to back up a little bit and let everyone know how we met because we met Mm -hmm. at micah and we were both well we were at different years but we were going through the curatorial practice program by the George Sissel. The one and Maryland only. Institute College <laughs> of Art. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, first of all, it wasn't a lot of Black people in the program. Mm-hmm. So I was excited to just see another Black woman who was like doing amazing work. And then just getting mm-hmm. to know you and seeing like 
your just resilience because you had a young child at the time and you were like navigating just so many different things and I think we really connected just through that just like my Mm -hmm. admiration of you and just kind of like just your calm like strength it was really inspiring so we got Baltimore the admiration was definitely mutual um it was such because when I came in and I saw you I was like okay this is a door that has least been cracked open. Like it has been opened. So you can, so there's room to walk through versus, because sometimes in these spaces you're like, okay, do I have to find the door, find the key to the door, unlock Mm. the door, open the door and walk through. So by the time I got to the space, Mm. you had already made, like there was way already made, you know? And then I appreciate that. And you also, uh, definitely embody like this calm. I think and that's another way we connect. It's like we both have a calm resilience and then we both have like a fire. Yes. <laughs> so, so we definitely have like yes. fire and waiting. We do have fire and waiting. There is a fire that burns that we will go and pull if necessary, but both of our energies prefer the calm side of things. So I think that was another way that we were able to connect. So yeah, but we that was an intense program. And then also I felt like when I walked in the first day I had my daughter, I mean, I was still nursing. She was like 18 months. And just the smile that came across your face, like you just beamed, like you just, (laughs) and and you really, I remember that now. And it felt so, cause I was like, I had to bring her with me that day. I couldn't, you know, I hadn't really worked out childcare. I was still moving from DC. And I was like, I don't even know right. what this is going to be, but baby, we just got to go. And when I walked in, you just, it was just that like, yes, like it's mama, it's baby, it's everything. Let's do it. And I just, and I felt that and I appreciate that. Yes. Yes. I was really, really so happy and just like excited to have someone go through this experience with me who can understand yeah. me on a deep level. So yeah. yes, feeling was definitely mutual. So talking about that, you mentioned how we both have kind of a calm resilience. And I think Mm -hmm. that really helps, especially in this time during this pandemic, when we're all just kind of like dealing with so much with the police brutality. And we're really at this civil moment where like people are are uprising, right? But not only that, you're dealing with, you know, quarantine and working from home and just Mm -hmm. so many different things all at once. And I'm really curious, how are you cultivating peace during this pandemic? Well, one thing that's really important to me, and this is going to be, it's probably going to sound funny or, you know, counterintuitive. I make a lot of room for my anger and my frustration. I Mm -hmm. write about it. I create, make sure that there's time that I can scream. I make sure there's time for me to work out. I'm going to the gun range like next week, next weekend. I think for some reason, understanding that it is within my capacity to defend myself, protect myself, to harness my anger or to harness my frustration, to put it into other things, it then feels actually more safe to be peaceful Mm -hmm. and peace and not feeling like I have to be 
engaged in everything, you know, mm-hmm. because there's an anxiety that comes with having to, you know, something happens every day. Do you have to respond to it? You know, I know right. I'm not, I don't have to respond to it or I am responding to it by deepening my workout or, you know, taking care of myself and even defense when it comes to the herbs that I'm taking, when it comes to making sure that my body has what it needs to be functional, to be mm. productive. Am I getting the sleep that I need? And, and so sometimes the resistance is the rest, you know? Yes. And you, you have to, you, you do have to find ways to create room in your schedule and in your mind for you to rest. And, and sometimes that is through things that someone else could perceive as being angry or being, you know, but if, if going to like, if going to the gun range once a month makes me feel more comfortable about being in my house with just my daughter and I, then I'm going to go. And Mm -hmm. if working out every day makes me feel stronger, you know, or, taking you know the ginger and the the turmeric whatever if these things make me feel it's inside of that that it actually leaves room for my pleasure for my for the play for the fun to because then my mind's clear yes exactly i always say that we we have to treat ourselves first right so we have to create boundaries so that we're constantly providing little treats for ourselves and that treat could be sleeping the treat could Mm -hmm. be exercising running the treat could be eating that extra cake because you want it you know like just finding little ways to treat yourself throughout the day um big or small I think that's super important and to really Mm -hmm. like have that mind frame that you are worthy of being treated you are valuable and how can you like cultivate this Yes. And it's funny when you, um, I definitely tie protecting myself to protecting myself, my space and my peace. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the other thing is that like, so protection goes, you, it goes all the way from the extreme. I'm at the gun range to slowing down. Like I mm. read so much more. I don't, I've gotten off of some of my online books mm-hmm. and I literally need a book in my hand. And I need to sit down and read it, you know? And yes. um, I talk with my girlfriends. I find time just to sit with people and, and, and really creating space, like protecting those more antiquated moments. Because before all of this technology, I used to read so much. I used to write so much. And this pandemic has actually given me time to like return to that return and and just get offline so much of july i've only been online when i needed to be and then i feel like august i would like ramp up again and then you know Mm -hmm. yeah and then i also respect cycles like we have five planets in retrograde i'm like you know what if these planets are if they're going backwards i'm gonna go backwards too i'm gonna reevaluate some things i'm gonna (laughs) you know i'm right reorganize you know so um, really follow nature, follow moon cycles, and just take a breath. It's okay. Like you, and follow your intuition. Oh my God, that's the biggest thing. Mm, so that's huge. It's huge. 
so one thing I would love to share yeah. is I make a practice of at least one day a week where I only do everything based on my intuition. I don't do, Ooh, I like that's that. it. I don't do anything outside of my, if I, so if I go for a walk and something in my spirit says, go to the right, I'm going to go to the right. If something says, pick up this mm. book, sit down. I like, I literally just follow that very quiet voice and take mm-hmm. one day out of the week that you can just follow that quiet voice, you know, and see what it's telling you. And, and, mm. and then have that moment. And it, it has, I've been doing that. I want to say like right before my daughter, probably since 2010. And then I amped it back up after my daughter was born. Mm. No, actually during my, during my, during my pregnancy with her, it's like, I amped it back up. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's so interesting it's like meditation and motion like you're yeah. you're in the moment and you're like listening to your inner voice but you're doing it like you're moving through that yeah so interesting and it's yeah. powerful because you mm-hmm. at first when i first did it it's very it's a little bit hard because you're like okay i need to do your, your mind's like okay i gotta do oh god i gotta do this you're right. so used to like this but now over time it's just been like it's a relief. It's like mm. a very, it's almost like, I feel like I'm sweeping out my brain. Like I'm dusting my brain when I do it. So. Interesting. Um, yeah. I want to try that. I've never done that. It. And let me know, let me know how it, I let will. me know how it is. Even if you do it for an hour, like go to a new place and, mm-hmm. or go on a walk in the woods and just go and just really just follow that voice. Like just listen and do everything based on it and see, you know, see where it takes you. Yeah, I love it. I'm definitely going to try it. I'll let you know how it goes. Good, good, good. Yes. So you were mentioning just your role as a mom and how I'm really curious. I'm not a mom and I respect mm-hmm. moms so much. How you're able to kind of balance being a mother, working, using your own creative practice, like focusing on that. How do you balance it? Because I know you also have your role at the National Museum Museum of Women in the Arts as a director is probably mm-hmm. really like, you know, takes a lot of your time. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? How you're balancing your different roles? Do you see them connected? Sure. Yeah, there so I will say that it's connected because you're there. So the first thing to remember is that no matter what job you have, don't let anyone, people say, okay, my, my work life and then my private life as if they're, you know, these two separate things. The reality mm-hmm. of it is, is that if you're there, it's connected, you know? Um, so as far as being a mom in these spaces, if I am there as a mother, then my daughter's there and my experience as a mom is there and that's a part of it. And so we have to have some very real conversations up front about what that means. And as a, what would be defined as a single mom, um, I definitely say you need community. I don't even, so I think you need community even outside of being a mom. Mm -hmm. I think you need, you need, you need, um, you need support. But so like, for example, as a single mom, my daughter spends about 90% of her time with me, right? So 
one thing I noticed is that she um, had these interesting views. She had this interest. One time she uh, made a comment about, she said that daddies play with children, mommies raise and take care of children. And I said, what? And I was like, oh my God, I don't. Oh, wow. Right. And so she felt that there was like a, uh, that the, hmm. what she said was very like the mo- being a mother is, is more of an, is a duty responsibility. And, and, and kind of this being a dad is like, it's optional. And it's like, you do it whenever you want. So what I did, I have some amazing, uh, men around me who are just phenomenal fathers. They're so deeply engaged in their kids' lives. I mean, whether they're with the mom or not, they spend like 50%, at least sometimes more time yeah. with their kids. So what I did is that I talked to one of my friends um, and her husband, and he is a very active dad of two girls. And what we set up is that from school every day, she would go home with them, but on Wednesday she would stay for dinner, right? And mm-hmm. so she got to really participate in a household that is not better or worse, it's just different. And so she got to see this very like engaged dad to see the different options, you know? Right. So that's like the way that I feel like I have to think about balance, you know? And that also gave me a day to like, if I needed to either work later or if I wanted to work on a creative project, it created some balance for me. and, and then now I, one of her good friends at school, her mom came to me and said, she's like, I don't even know how to say this, but you know, the girls get along well, how do you feel about us raising them as sisters? And I said, you know, I, I didn't know what the language was, but I think I need that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and so what we do is that literally her daughter, I mean, we, I got, you know, when my daughter got a bed, I made sure I got a trundle bed so that she had a bed as well. She's got, you know, anything I get for sure, I get for her and the same with the other mom. But she spends, my daughter spends um, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday with her. And then they spend Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with me. And we literally just oh, split. We split the schedule. Um, and if we need something else, like if something she knows if she needs to, go out of town. She doesn't, she knows she can bring mm-hmm. baby girl here. If we need to switch up the days, it's literally like you have another parent. Yes. And it has revolutionized my summer and pandemic experience. <laughs> so I bet. Um, oh my God. So many yeah. things you just mentioned. I want to talk about because first <laughs> sure. of all, how old is your daughter? She, um, she's eight now. Can you believe it? She's eight. Oh my God. Has it been eight years? That it's is crazy. Years and this. Oh my goodness! Yoga, she's like yeah, amazing. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. But anyways, I just wanted to say how deeply ingrained these societal norms are that at, at eight years, your daughter can already see the different roles that society plays out for mom and dad, and like what a mom is supposed to do and what a dad is supposed to do, and it's bullshit. It's Absolutely. Bullshit. So I'm and can so I tell you, she was that. five when she said that. When she said that, she was five. I bet. Yes, yes. 
this is why we have to break these chains because they're so deeply ingrained in us and our children see it like we don't even have to they say anything it. they see it yeah. it's everywhere it's so everywhere. i'm so oh my gosh i love that you showed her just different possibilities right. not that one is better or worse but mm -hmm. that there's different possibilities of what a black family looks like of what a yeah. dad's role looks like or what yes. a mom's role looks like so that's right. one thing i just yes. wanted to touch on because i think that's that's a super important message but also mm -hmm. how you are creating your own experience as a parent that works for you like you yes. found this other mom who is mm -hmm. like best friends with your daughters, um, mm -hmm. they're best friends, and mm -hmm. you decided mm -hmm. to create this this family unit yeah. that is revolutionary. I think mm -hmm. I used that word earlier, and I agree that you are co-parenting with another woman and yeah. raising them mm -hmm. together as siblings. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's beautiful. It really so is. Beautiful. And I think, I mean, we really, we, the, none of, we just have to really accept that the hand we've been dealt in the society, it doesn't work for us. Right. Yes. These are not even, you, 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 you look at it, you're like, first of all, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this game. Um, I definitely mm -hmm. didn't sign up to play with these tools. And, you know, you really have to find it in you too and i don't even know if i got angry enough I, I, i'm trying to figure out a part of me was just like this is like like you said like it's like this is some bullshit i really don't see me having mm -hmm. this experience like this i don't like this idea of becoming a parent or it's so crazy everyone's like when are you gonna have a baby when are you gonna have a baby don't you want to have a baby don't you want to have a right. baby you should have a baby and then when you have a baby they're like oh well you can't do anything now that you have a baby your life is over. You can't do this. You can't do it. And it's like, right. yo, shut the fuck up. Like, I Whew. I didn't come here for that. Girl. It's like they rush you almost so that mm -hmm. you can be a, a part of a club that they don't even like. A lot of people, they don't want to admit, you know, some people, they don't want to admit that they don't like being married. They don't like having kids. They don't. But it's like they want to rush mm -hmm. you to do it. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. which I'm doing... Yeah. I'm not coming here to have anybody else's experience. Like, why would I do that? And you don't have to. Yeah. You do not have to. And I think it's one of those things. I had this interesting thought this morning. I was like, wow. The, the main difference between me now than me in my 20s is that I'm just very clear that my experience is based on my perspective. Mm. Yeah, that's the main I difference. See that. I, mm -hmm. it's, when I was 20, I felt like, and I thought I was avant garde then, but I, I really felt if, <laughs> if I had gotten, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, we all think we're, whatever. yes. But if I had gotten pregnant back then, I really think I would have, I would have struggled just because I wouldn't have been able to have control over my mind to shift my perspective. But now I would say like 30s mm -hmm. and beyond, it was point. like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm very clear that how I experience something is strictly based on my perspective of the situation. So even being a quote unquote older mom, whatever that means, like, I, yeah, you know, nonsense. It's nonsense. It, because of my perspective on it, 
it's 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 probably made me even more youthful because I just have a different perspective. Um, yeah. So yeah. I just encourage I encourage women, whether you're a mom, an artist, whatever you are, whatever your whatever your position is, find find your perspective, and and anchor yourself in that perspective. It doesn't have to be mine. I'm not. I'm so not about trying to sell anybody on a method. Mm-hmm. I'm just get anchored in your intuition and find your find your perspective and 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 always push yourself to like see another experience for yourself, you know, that that that's just more that's more fun and more um that allows you to be more available to you, you know? Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, so important. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's important for women to hear that and to like, you know, know that it's possible to create your own path. I know a lot of times we feel stuck or like really burdened, but you can change your life tomorrow. Like you can make it happen. You just have to make it a priority to put yourself first. And I know as women, we, we, we don't do that enough. You know, we put everyone else before us. So Yes. Okay. So I wanted to shift a little bit, if you don't mind. I don't mind. I want to talk about exciting creative projects you're working on right now. Mm. Wow. So one thing I'm really enjoying is that I'm doing this series of conversations with Helene Flowers, and he's a Halcyon fellow. Um, and we met at the opening, there was a movie, I can't think of it, but it, it's, a, it's a, I think it's called Just Cause. And it's mm-hmm. a movie about a man who was in prison for about, I think like 26 years and he had like a triple life. So it's not, it, was, it was insane. And so he was speaking at that event and we met outside of it and got into this great conversation. I told him I worked at the National Museum of Women in the Arts and invited him and his wife to come out to, to come visit. And then coronavirus happens, right? So like yes. that that didn't happen. They didn't get a chance to come, but we stayed in contact. So Halima and I, um, we're always just exchanging articles around art. Like today we're looking at this um, article on art and cryptocurrency. And, and then, hmm. you know, we'll look at like the art market and Christie's and the histories and different galleries. And we have just these amazing conversations. And so we were having them um, um, just like probably like twice a week. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like we're saying something, our conversations bring out something in each other that really should be on a, uh, we should just share it, you mm-hmm. know? And so we said, well, let's have one conversation a week on Instagram live. And the name of the conversation is art is the answer. And we literally are looking at how art can be used as a tool for economic equity, particularly for mm. Black people globally, um, and and it's um it's been it's been really really powerful. Uh, and then we also push each other in our practice. Like he's always pushing me to make new work. I'm always pushing him to like make new work and and really yes. think deeply about what we're creating and how you talk about your work. So that's been great. Um, and then at the National Museum of Women in the Arts we're doing a project on food. So it's called, yeah, it's called Reclamation. And it's really looking at um, food in the kitchen table as the space of art and social change. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, we're, we're like deep in that. And then just with Family Arts Museum, I've just been rethinking like the platform, like rethinking it's a nomadic institution and I want it to, um, we, we ran a residency for two years. I had artists that stayed at my house um, and they were able to stay, one person stayed for a year and a half, another person stayed for six months for free. Um, they, you know, we just, they were committed yeah. to working on a project and, you know, just supporting the household. And, you know, we just define ways they could support it. And that residency program was so successful. So I um, am rethinking what that could look like. Um, and also I'm clear that there needs to be some housing for artists in DC. So I have three properties here um, that are commercial residential and I'm just trying to figure out how in the world do you develop them? So I've got those big questions with Family Arts Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's, yes. that's uh, those are the, the fun things. All exciting. You definitely have yeah. to come back and talk about the Family Museum, the Family Arts oh, Museum. Well. I want to know more oh, well. about that. But yeah. just so everyone knows, make it check you out. When are you doing the Instagram lives with Halim? We usually do them on Wednesdays. So we use right now, it's like a Wednesday somewhere between 3 and 6 p.m. will okay. probably, you know. And yeah. um, usually we'll announce it like that day. We'll say like what time mm-hmm. we'll be on, you know. Um, and I'm at Milani and Douglas. If you just look up Melanin Douglas, my dad. <laughs> yes. My dad made my middle initial N, so it spells Melanin. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So Melanin Douglas with two S's. <laughs> At, um, at IG, on Twitter, or Facebook. Actually, on Facebook, it's just Melanin. And Halim is Halim Flowers, H-A-L-I-M, Flowers, on IG. So Wednesdays, we're, we're, we're usually in there. He's, they're expecting a baby, so oh, these next that. few weeks might, <laughs> the next few weeks might, you know, change according to when baby wants to come, baby girl. Yes. Uh-huh. important yeah, yeah definitely check that out y'all because bo- both of them are amazing i know halim has an incredible story he was also incarcerated for over 20 years and now yeah. he's he's going out and doing like motivational speeches and he has mm-hmm. his own um what is it like a communications firm or something yeah yeah and he's really yeah. diving um like really digging deep as an artist yes, and yes. So that's one great he was an echoing green fellow and Halcyon fellow so you know it's it's I think it's so important for us to have these conversations with like as as extremely diverse experiences as we can you know yes and that's what's gonna like push us even further so that's been exciting that is exciting. I love that collaboration. I will definitely yeah. check it out. Catch Thank you on you. Instagram. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about is your your role as a Black arts administrator, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I also work at a nonprofit in a coordinator role. And I know you work on a director's role level. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really interested. Can we just talk about this for a little bit? Just talk about oh, like our experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, talk about yeah. our experience as Black women being in these white institutions. 
and how we're navigating our roles and also yeah, like I gotta get my whole it's like you gotta change your whole body I know <laughs> You gotta get ready, girl. (laughs) Yes, you know the whole um, thing. It's a whole thing. So the new, the new thing that's been interesting is working from home. Okay, Mm -hmm. so when you work from home, there's certain, there's a certain kind of like switch in your brain. That there's certain things that you are like, okay, I'm equipped to deal with this at the office. Right. But now that we're having a Zoom call and I'm <laughs> in my house, which means you're in my house, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you're you're and, and if a person is coming at me in a way with a certain level of aggression or dismissiveness, and I'm like, bitch, you in my house, right? So it's right. a different it's a it's a little diff it's like it's a little different. <laughs> little different and so having to (laughs) you know having to how do you make people clear that we all need a higher level of compassion and that we all need a that there's a deeper level of work that we all get to do Mm -hmm. so that we understand that we're in each other's homes right now you know And so there has to be an accelerated rate at which you deal with your anti-blackness. And so it's a beautiful blend because as the world works to dismantle racism and the delusion of white supremacy, it's also happening in these workplaces because now we're dealing with the the gap between what you say and what I'm actually going to put up with is smaller in my own house. So with yeah. you having these spaces to like, you know, deal. Um, the other thing is like you, you, I, I feel that at my job, I have gotten so much done because I don't have to spend the majority of my job combating whiteness. There's definitely spaces where I have to deal with it, but the majority of my time, like when I looked at what I've done in the past three years, I was like, wow, I I can't believe how much I did. But you have to be really honest. There's certain people it doesn't pay to work for mm-hmm. because you are mm-hmm. not going to be able to do the work you need to do. You're going to spend, you might as well, add an extra $20,000 to your salary when you negotiate because you're going to need $20,000 to for the time you're going to spend helping them unpack their stuff. Yeah. It's another, it's like another part-time job. And, and so I feel like we should negotiate for that. If we feel that we're entering an environment where that's going to be an extreme. Yes. I found that too, because I was, spending so much energy trying to just be comfortable, just feel like I can be myself and open up and share that I was just like, fuck this. This is too much energy. I'm miserable. Let's, let's, let's change some things. So I was like, how can I create an environment at work where I feel like I'm comfortable? So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, first thing we need more black artists. This is ridiculous. So I was like, 
I'm fortunate enough to be able to hire teaching assistants. So I was right. like, let's find some dope, amazing people of color mm-hmm. and bring them into this space. So I was like, okay, cool. Then I was like, okay, what's going on with these, these level of hierarchies that are happening mm-hmm. between teaching artists and teaching assistants between staff and artists between directors and coordinators what's happening here and how can we have a conversation to talk about it so now we're having these affinity groups that my director is starting to you know launch because there's there's harm and there's trauma that has been Mm -hmm. done and People of color cannot talk about them in spaces where their bosses are, who are white women, and feel like more harm is not going to be done. So we need spaces where we feel comfortable, where we can talk, and we can share out and release. And then the most important thing is there has to be work to change. Like it can't just, we can't just say, okay, this happened and move on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and forget about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel you with that. And even with the Zoom spaces, how, like, right. your home is supposed to be your safe space, right? Like, it's right. supposed to be your sanctuary where you can just get away from stress and just, like, do your own thing. And now that we're in this space where home and work and life and everything is so interconnected and there's mm-hmm. no real, like you know, stopping point. There's no real designation of time. Everything kind of flows together. I feel like I'm in this space where a lot of my work is merging into like my personal life and also like my personal interests. And so I'm trying to balance the two, but also like trying to figure out how to connect them because it's too hard to try and separate everything. It's just just too hard. Yeah, how do you, you know, and so that's the other thing I would, it's how do you connect them so i feel every mm-hmm. artist should do two to three years as an arts administrator I, mm-hmm. I just feel every artist should right and so one be very very clear about what you want to take from the experience and bring mm-hmm. into your practice i needed some refinement around running a big budget um how do i connect with donors how do i talk with donors what is the protocol for you know cultivating um um, membership um there's things i just wanted to learn Mm -hmm. about you know because you can apply those things to your own practice what what happens behind the scenes that really really creates change for artists like how so how do you understand how these networks and systems work better and the same like you when i first got in there anywhere that i could figure out to bring black women in i did Mm -hmm. just any because you cannot be in there by yourself just you don't want to be there by yourself so find ways to include other black women but if you look at it so it goes back to the perspective thing the moment that i said okay this is a high paid fellowship. Like look at it from that perspective, right? Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I looked at mm-hmm. it like a postgraduate fellowship that I was mm-hmm. willing to do for three to five years. And yeah. what was I doing? How was the work that I do that I'm doing and that job really applicable to what I'm doing in my own pra- personal practice and how does it expand it? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, having that perspective has just given me a level of like patience or a level of like, not even patience, it's clarity. 
it's yeah. clarity because when something comes up that I've had certain situations where I'm like, mm, is this really a part of the curriculum that I assigned for myself in this job? Did I really, okay, like for example, there's this, you know, wanting to do uh, all these discussions around um, racial equity and things like that. I, I'm going to be very honest. I feel like some of those conversations need, I think white people need to talk to white people. I, mm-hmm. I think they need to come up with an action plan of how they, um, what are you going to do? Like, you don't need to be in conversation with me apologizing for what was done. Right. Talk to each other and figure out your systems and do what you want to do. I am not going to be in that conversation. I don't need to read a book with you. I don't need to um, have <laughs> exactly you know, any kind of like training as a black woman in the society. I have a, I believe me, the training is there for me and there's not enough books that you could do to catch up to kind of where I am. There's other work I need to do. I need to work on how do I heal on my own trauma from this? And I'm Mm. clear that I need to do that work and I get to do it in a different space. We have different work to do. So be bold enough to say, that's not my work. Yeah. It's not my work. Um, And it's not personal but I can't be in a room with someone who says they don't see color. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to have that conversation, you know? And if that person is in your space, then, then it's to me, it's the responsibility of other white people to deal with that. That's not my responsibility. And the other thing that's interesting is that I feel like I have to do my job from a space of being willing to lose it. Because there's just some risks that you have to take to progress the program forward. And if you're not doing it from a space of like, you know what? Hey, this, this could be it, guys. Because <laughs> it's, it's so on the edge, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, there's certain things that I'm like, you know, like when we did the um, women's suffrage, they, you know, it was brought to my attention that they wanted the public programs was to do a, a event on women's suffrage. And I said, how can I plan a party that I can't even come to? Ooh, it's not a hundred years of voting for me. So how do I plan <laughs> this party? <laughs> There's that. Yeah. You do. But you have to be, there has to be a level of like, you do have to be bold enough to say that. And the answer was, well, great point. And plan the event that you would be at so what is that and so that shifted the conversation so we did this great thing called art power and the vote and we had um really an analysis of how art and aesthetic has been used to push forward an agenda that is exclusionary and Mm -hmm. what and who are the artists that are working at it like right now um alexander bell um, and also uh, Kim Loper, and then also who are the activists like Ajua Osama and then um, Jackie Payne. So having artists and activists talk to each other about shifting the way the aesthetic is used to suppress the vote and mm-hmm. uh, push women out of the conversation. Now, and, and, then, and do we really have suffrage? if women are voting according to what their husband tell them, you know what I'm saying? Are we right? So, so now that's another, I can come to that party. Right. Yeah. But. I'll come there. I'll, 
you can, you know, count me in. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's what we did instead. So sometimes it's like having that really speaking and creating what you need, you know, yeah. um, and not be pushed to create what someone's trying to, because they have their limited perspective too. They can't even, they can't even see where you're coming from. So right. Push, right. push Everyone your is. perspective everyone's operating from their own perspective but yeah Mm -hmm. and you know I think it takes time for people to feel bold enough to say no or say that I don't agree with this or that Mm -hmm. this is not this is not right for me it takes practice honestly to like continue to do it so that it gets easier because you know we are conditioned to go along with the mm-hmm. with the mainstream and agree. And mm-hmm. as women, oh, it's a whole nother thing. We're supposed to be polite and agreeable and all this other mess. So yeah. yeah, I love that you are practicing that every day in your work that, you know, this is not okay. And by doing that, you're just making everything better. You know, you're yeah. bringing in more ideas you're mm-hmm. shaping you're shaping the culture to be more inclusive and that yeah. that is the work and that's important yeah that's the work yeah. we have to do and and then also the other thing to when you when you really think about how suppressing these things or keeping all of that inside i'm telling mm-hmm. you women's particularly black women's fibroid breast cancer lumps in your body and all mm-hmm. these different things really come from trying to create a buffer. Your body becomes this buffer for how you deal with the, with the delusion of white supremacy. And it's not healthy. So when yeah. you look at it like, you know what? I could either keep this in and it turn into a fibroid or I could let this shit out. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And you realize I could keep it in and it, and it, and it, det- it, 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 it makes my, my body dry, my skin dry, my, and it literally it decays me yeah. or I could release it and be fresh. And, and once you look at it from that perspective, like, oh, I don't really think you're worth a fibroid. I think I'm going to say this, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. I think you're worth a lump in my breast. That doesn't mm-hmm. I don't see me doing this. So then it really becomes almost this kind of funny, like, approach where you're like, no, my ovaries, this is not beneficial to my ovaries. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yes. I love that crazy. perspective. Yes. Oh, my God. It gets to be fun. It gets to be fun. Yes. I'm like, mm, I feel a little tug in my ovaries, and I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> I feel a little right. tug in my ovaries. Yes. Not healthy. I think we can yes. stop right there because it's not healthy. So, and it changes how you do things. And then it gets to be fun because then it's like, listen, I mean, it's not personal. It's from my ovaries. I'm not, yeah. You know, blame my ovaries. Sorry. Blame my ovaries and blame yours. Blame everyone's like, whatever. We're going to save them. We're going to save everyone's ovaries. And we're going to find another way to do this. And then people want to be on board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to say that in my, like, my next meeting when I don't agree with something. You know, this is not, this is not feeling good in my kidney. Like, I feel like something's coming. I can't mm-hmm. really do this, you know? Yeah. 
My oh. immune system has a response yeah, to this. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, my team knows. Oh. My team, even my team. Like it, I and you know that is that real. Way. Yeah, I'm like, ladies. I feel like us going this way is going to be stressful on our reproductive system. So what are some other ways we can approach this problem? Like, this is how I talk in my meetings. Like, it's hilarious. And they yeah. think it's so funny, but, yeah. but you know, it, it has <laughs> kept us on board. <laughs> so yes. it keeps us on board, yes. it keeps us on track. Yes, and you're really just checking in, right, with your body. Like, how are you feeling? Right. How does your body right. feel? Because your body mm -hmm. will tell you the truth. Every time. What, yes. Yes. So every time. Uh, well, oh my God, this has been so much fun. I always Yay. love talking with you. I love and I just wanted to yeah. give, mm -hmm. I just wanted to give everyone the opportunity to connect with you. Do you want to share anything? I know you talked about projects, but if you wanted to share anything else, um, website or just like social handles so people can yeah. get in touch with you. The best way is Melanin Douglas um, with two S's. And that's, I'm primarily on IG. I'm not really a Twitter girl. Um, not yet. Um, but if you, if you, I'm um, easy to find on IG. Um, and then if you, that's the best way. If you reach me through there, you'll find me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, you are brilliant and so much Thank fun. You. And I love Thank talking you. to you every time. So you have yes. to come back. I will. I will. And thank you for doing this. You, you have a wonderful project that you're doing. And I'm just so excited to see it just launch and soar. And anything that I can do to help, just let me know. And I'm there. Oh, thank you, boo. I appreciate you're that welcome. so much. You're welcome. All well, right. this has been Talk great. You thank later. you. Talk to you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. See you next week, same day, same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.